The contents of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, welcome to another edition of Healthkey. I'm Tim Boreham. Well, when it comes to the health of animals on the farm, we're not talking about fluffy puppies and kittens. In other words, the cost of vet treatments has to be weighed up not so much with emotion, but the economics of keeping the beast, or the herd, in tip-top condition. Now, providing vet services to the production animal sector would seem like a hard way to turn a quid, but the ASX-listed APM Animal Health is travelling along very nicely. One key to APM's success is that it has a diversified offering. So not, not just vet visits, but consulting services and product distribution, to uh, name some of them. Uh, the company, which is based in Bendigo in Victoria, also has a presence in the companion animal sector. So uh, we don't miss out on the uh, fluffy puppies and uh, adorable kittens after all. Now, I've got APM founder and chief executive, Dr. Chris Richards, with me to tell me more about the company. So uh, welcome, Chris. Uh, thanks, Tim. It's uh, great to join you today. Excellent. Excellent. Now, what's your favourite animal? Do, do you have a favourite animal? Well, I'd, I'd, I'd have to say that um, I certainly uh, have had a long association with pigs. So um, I do enjoy uh, pigs, but at the same time... Um, I also don't mind uh, horses uh, and uh, and do a little bit in that space as well. Okay, so the uh, the bigger beasts. Um, now you, uh, you you mentioned pigs and and you uh, you did start out uh, in the uh, porcine uh, sector, didn't you? That, that, that's how you uh, got got going professionally. Yeah, that's right. So virtually um, straight out of veterinary school and uh, and into the pig industry. So back in nineteen ninety seven. When I uh, left university as a as a vet, I uh, went straight into um, into a, a pig veterinary practice uh, in Bendigo, and uh, and continued there um, for the next uh, 15, 16 years. Yeah, okay. And and what motivated uh, the company to list, which I, I think was back in twenty fifteen, was this a, a consolidation play? Not really a consolidation play. It was really looking at uh, at some of the changing dynamics in the in the rural veterinary industry, and um, there's really we saw a few things that were happening. Um, one was that um, just the ability to uh, attract vets into rural and regional Australia, and uh, and the ability to mentor them, um, it was becoming uh, more difficult for. Um, Single practices, and um, and we certainly saw that we we'd be able to achieve more by uh, having a larger group, where we'd have more access to uh, new skills and, and mentors that could uh, mentor and, and develop younger vets as they uh, came into the uh, into the industry. Yeah, and, and do you uh, offer the, uh, the the younger vets uh, sort of an, an an equity path so that uh, you know they've got skin in the game. Yes, yeah, so I mean, being a listed company, uh, all our employees can uh, can have ownership in the company at any time. Um, certainly, uh, and we have a large proportion of our employees who uh, who do uh, hold shares in the company. So that that is uh, it is an advantage. Um, one of the things that we were also seeing 
was that um, you know it was prohibitive for um, younger vets to actually buy into some of these larger practices, and, and certainly there was a move away from uh, from those guys taking on you know large uh, uh, debt levels in order to uh, enter into into a large veterinary practices. So you know our model enables uh, vets and, and nurses and, and other people within the business to to have a, a small piece of uh, of the larger company. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, now, I'd, I'd, I'd like to say that you were the first ASX listed uh, vet play, but uh, you, you were actually the second, weren't you? Because uh, Green Cross Vets, I think, was the first. Um, uh, were, were you uh, were you inspired, if you like, by Green Cross Vets, or uh, you, you you saw that model and thought you could uh, emulate it or, or maybe improve on it? Uh, not, not really. I mean, I think we've got a different model to um, to the likes of uh, companies like Green Cross, which have really been more of a consolidation play. So, you know, our 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 business plan was about going out and and bringing together the the largest um, veterinary clinics that were servicing rural and regional um, Australia. So those those particularly in the in the pig feedlot in the dairy industry, um, those that were really the leaders in the industry. And, uh, and bringing them into uh, into a larger group that we could then uh, leverage off all those uh, skill sets and benefits to grow a to grow a larger business. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. All right. And um, the conditions uh, in the uh, rural sector have uh, improved quite markedly uh, in recent months, haven't they? Uh, the company looked like it was doing it tough, or because farmers were doing it tough, but. But now, uh, judging from your results, the the drought is receding in, into memory, and uh, the dairy sector is uh, is certainly improving. Uh, so, can you uh, talk a bit about that? Yeah, I mean, you're right, Tim. I mean, the first uh, three and a half years since uh, listing, we certainly had a number of headwinds. So, you know, whether those be the troubles that occurred in the dairy industry or the drought that's occurred in different parts of Australia, they certainly provided some some challenges to the company. But um, in the last uh, 12 months, and, and particular, particularly um, uh, since this last summer, we, we've seen some really good rains come into, um, into rural Australia. So not just in the, in the uh, large areas in New South Wales and Queensland that are servicing uh, mainly the production of uh, the intensive animals, but in uh, southeastern Australia, where the majority of the dairy industry is, we're seeing some uh, really good tailwinds for farmers uh, in those regions. Yeah, and, and it looks like the uh, the beef uh, feedlot uh, industry has picked up as well. Yeah, so um, the feedlot industry is, is really coming off uh, what was a, a really strong couple of years. So, you know, FY19 and, and certainly um, the first half of FY20 were extremely strong years for um, the feedlot industry. Um, there has been, a, you know, a shortage of cattle over the last um, six months as, as restockings occurred now that we've got better conditions um, out on farms, so that is putting a little bit of pressure on feedlots in terms of being able to source uh, source cattle. But um, you know that feedlot industry has been around a long time, and, and the demand for their products, particularly around uh, high quality Australian beef, it's, uh, it's it'll continue to be there. So we expect that that industry will continue to grow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And and speaking of demand, um, COVID nineteen has been a, a bit of a double edged uh, sword from the looks of things. Uh, uh, on the one hand, it, it's constrained some activity on the production side uh, because of the lack of a, uh, a restaurant market because yeah, the, uh, the, the, a lot of the restaurants aren't open. Um, but uh, 
But on, on the companion uh, animal side, you're uh, benefiting from this uh, panic puppy buying phenomenon. Yeah, well, the, uh, I think most of the uh, Australian um, veterinary industry that service companion animals has seen some, some upside uh, since COVID um, occurred. So, and, and as you've indicated, that, that has been through uh, people buying uh, new pets to um, enhance that companionship while they've been at home. Um, and also through, you know, spending so much time with their pets um, and forming, um, you know, additional bonds. We're seeing them um, utilise uh, additional veterinary services. Yeah. And, and is, that, uh, is that phenomenon continuing or is it starting to unwind? I guess it depends uh, where you are in the country. And uh, you, you, you've got clinics uh, pretty much everywhere, haven't you, except for uh, uh, South Australia? Yeah. So in terms of companion animal clinics, they're predominantly on the East Coast. Um Mainly, you know, mainly in Victoria, but we've got some in central um, New South Wales and in Queensland. The um, it's continuing, so um, you know we haven't really seen any drop off um, in in recent times, and and I think as well as that, we've also um, we launched another a program called Best Mates Program, a wellness program, and so that's also um, assisting us to to grow that part of the business. Yeah, yeah. Now tell us more about Best Mates. It, it, it's a subscription program, isn't it? Sort of all, all, all you can eat, so to speak. So, so you you can uh, have un, unlimited uh, consultations. Yeah. So, I mean, what it does is we believe it provides just a higher level of care to the to the animals. So, because uh, it's a subscription model, and and people can bring their pets in um, unlimited times if they've got any concerns at all, then. Um, then it means that we can, as, as a veterinary group, can can take better care of that animal and, and probably more importantly, identify issues early on um, before they might uh, develop into something more serious. So it's a, it's a really good relationship, we think, with our clients where um, where they, they have more assurance around um, the health of their animal. And it's also quite stimulating for our vets, uh, knowing that they can uh, do everything that they can to improve the health and welfare of those animals. And how many takers have you got so far for the program? Well, we've got uh, we've got about three and a half thousand, uh, which we've built from um, a base of about uh, four hundred back at the start of last year. So we're we're seeing about uh, four to five hundred subscriptions every month. So um, it, it, it's about five percent of the total number of animals that we provide care to in our clinics. Okay, and 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 what sort of uh, proportion of your revenue uh, derives from the companion side? vis-a-vis uh, -vis the uh, production side? Look, it's a, it's a very fast-growing part of our, our, uh, our business. So um, it's certainly, um, when, when we listed, it was, uh, it was around that uh, 13 14%, and it's certainly doubled um, or, you know, more than doubled in, uh, over the period. So, so it's certainly a fast-growing part of our business. Uh, are the margins fundamentally better? Uh, the, the the gross margins are better, but they have, there's additional costs in running uh, those clinics. You know, with having a, a bricks and mortar store and, and having additional labour costs and support costs, um, then um, it's 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 a slightly different uh, different financial model and, and and revenue model than what we you know see in a consultancy business that would be providing services into the uh, the beef, pig, and, and dairy industry. Mm. But certainly, a, it's it's a it's a um, a business that um, a component of our business that we that certainly brings some stability um, to to offset some of the market cycles that uh, that occur um, in the agriculture side. 
Yeah, and it's interesting you're sort of emulating the uh, uh, that that business model with uh, with the dairy sector, aren't you? Because you've got, also got a program called Pro Dairy, and that, and that's subscription too, isn't it? Um, yeah, so it is. It's a it's a bit like a wellness program for dairy cows, where rather than the <laughs> traditional model where a, a farmer would have um, you know a, a sick cow or or a a lame cow, or maybe it's having difficulty calving, and it would call a vet out. This is more of a uh, a business type relationship and a um, a really part a partnership program really with uh, with our dairy clients. So it enables us to sit down with them at regular periods during the year, um, set a plan for what they will be doing on their on their farm during the year, and, and looking at how we can improve productivity and and uh, and what investments they need to make for that, um, and what additional things that uh, that we need to do. Uh, through our dairy vets to um, improve profitability um, on those farms. And according to your material, uh, 10% of Victoria's cows have uh, signed up, so to speak. Well, well their owners have. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'm just wondering what, uh, what you see uh, as, as possible uh, as your potential market share. You know that's a good question. I mean, we 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 were quite surprised by the uptake that we've had of the of the program. So yeah, we've had um, uh, over ten percent of um, Victorian um, dairy cows, or as you say, they they've been subscribed by their by their owners. Um, and and I think that's a you know Victoria is the largest dairy region in Australia. So we've seen exceptional uptake, not just through uh, some of our existing customers who have uh, who who have moved to this program, but we've seen um, an equal number of new customers uh, join the program. So, you know, and I think that with um, with the tailwinds that are happening in the dairy industry and, and farmers now seeing an opportunity to, to really um, kick some goals over the next uh, year or two, that we'll see a, uh, an increase in those um, this type of uh, business model and services. And uh, coming back to uh, COVID-19, I guess, um, you've got an interesting tie-up with uh, Zuno, which is uh, also ASX-listed. Um, Zuno made antivirus uh, disinfectant uh, products. Um, so while uh, animals can't catch COVID, uh, everything needs to be uh, uh, sanitised. Um, how, how is that uh, partnership going? Yeah, so uh, we were first introduced to Zuno um, just uh, just under two years ago, and it's a product that hadn't been used in the uh, in the animal health industry. So over the last uh, eighteen months, we've been undergoing um, trials in in different parts around the world to see where this product would uh, can be best used. So, you know, we've done some initial trials in Australia where where we've seen some um, some benefits there um, in pigs, and and uh, there's been some other trials done in uh, poultry. Uh, not 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 necessarily looking at preventing disease, but actually by reducing the number of pathogens that are in the environment, um, we're starting to see some differences in um, in how those animals perform, particularly around um, feed efficiency and and growth rates. So just by not having um, as many pathogens in the environment means that they can put more energy into growth. Yeah, okay, but you were also actually targeting other path- pathogens, weren't you? Uh, like the uh... African swine virus or the uh, avian uh, avian flu. Yeah, so Zuno themselves have done some work on African swine uh, fever virus in China. So that that's not an area that we uh, currently are dealing with. But what we have been doing is, which is quite quite interesting with this product, uh, particularly uh, in line with how Zuno's had growth in its company, 
is that we've uh, been doing some uh, work in the US uh, against uh, the um, PED virus, which is a coronavirus. And uh, that's probably where we've seen the, the biggest benefit so far with this product uh, in the agricultural space is, is really preventing infection by coronavirus in, uh, in our animals. And that's a different coronavirus, of course, isn't it? It's not the SARS-CoV-2. No, it's a different coronavirus, but um, it's very similar in that um, you know it it's very it's very infectious and uh, and it has a des you know a decimating effect on uh, on baby pigs. So and um, and it, and you know quite what well, most disinfectants will be effective against it, but then the uh, then those um, rooms or, or piggeries get reinfected through um, just people bringing it in or or coming in on equipment and things like that. So. You know, one thing that we've seen with this product in uh, in the US out in the field is that when we've uh, pre-treated rooms with this uh, disinfectant, then um, we haven't seen those uh, PED outbreaks or coronavirus uh, outbreaks that uh, have previously been in the industry. Yeah, okay, okay, great. And and, and is this uh, Zuno distribution, is this, uh, does this form a material part of your revenue at, at, at the moment? No, it's just um, no. It's only a small part of our revenue. So again, we, the last eighteen months we've been doing trial work. We're still got a number of trials that we'll complete over the next few months, and then once we've got um, that data, um, that'll give us a better idea exactly where to uh, to place this product into the market. Okay, so so it could be material. Uh, do you think in the, in the near future? Oh, the industries are big enough, you know, and the diseases that we're um, trialing this product against are certainly. Um, you know, significant uh, economic diseases for uh, the pig industry. So particularly in North America and, and, and outside of Australia, in other countries where they have um, a lot more viral diseases than what we have in Australia. Mm, okay, okay, terrific. All right. Um, and, and in your uh, in the last financial year to uh, June 30, your, your revenue was up uh, 6% to $118 million and your uh, net profit was up 31% to 4.2 million dollars um what's the uh what's the outlook uh for the current year and uh how have you been going uh post balance date yeah so since um since we reported our um fy20 results we've continued to see uh you know similar results uh um or similar trends occurring so you know if we look at what's really driving uh driving this uh growth that um at an EBIT and an NPAT level, it's um, it's really about leveraging um, the investments that we've made over the last few years, and um, or and um, and seeing more of the the, the new revenue generation um, services and, and products that we're bringing to market being applied across a, a pretty uh, a static uh, fixed cost base. So, you know, that's where we're really starting to to leverage at the bottom line on the investments that we've uh, made. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now it's probably fair to say your your shares uh, have been a bit off the pace. Um, actually, in the last couple of years, um, they have. Uh, I think they had a good September, but uh, none, nonetheless, they, they are down on their um, uh, original uh, I- issue price. Uh, what's uh, what? What do you think the drivers are to uh, to improve that uh, share performance? I think we. It's it's pretty simple, Tim. I think we've got a. Keep delivering the results that we've delivered over the last two quarters. So, you know, our share price dropped because of uh, lacking the um, financial performance of the company. You know, due to headwinds and and um, 
some other challenges with industry and the investments, significant investments that we made in the in the back end systems. So, you know, the the share price has really been reflective of um, of the uh, the profits that we've generated out of the company and and probably the confidence in the markets. So, you know, the last last two quarters we've seen a, a, a turnaround in the in the business in terms of the profitability and and certainly uh, in in recent times we're starting to see the uh, the share price better reflect the. Uh, the performance of the company. Mm, okay, okay. Oh, and what about debt levels? Uh, because you, you do carry a fair bit of debt because you made some acquisitions and I think built up in inventory. Um, is your is your gearing at uh, your targeted levels? Yeah, I mean uh, we do we do have a, a fair bit of debt. We have about thirty four million dollars of debt. Um, but um, in terms of our operating leverage, which is really where we're you know measuring. Um, our balance sheet is is we, we we have been trending back towards around two. So you know as we as we make uh, future acquisitions, if we continue to use debt, then uh, then that will increase. But at the same time, we we're generating um, some pretty good cash in the business. So um, you know ultimately, we we would like that to be uh, uh, have an operating leverage of around around two. Uh, yeah, and Chris, just on acquisitions, you made uh, you've made three in the past year. Of uh, varying sizes, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering what what your plans are uh, in terms of uh, future M and A. Yeah, we're certainly a company that will make acquisitions if the if the right uh, the right business uh, comes up. You know, a business that we think will add value to our company, whether that's through expanding uh, our ge- geographical location or whether it's about bringing new services that we can leverage across our existing customer base and. And bring new services or products to customers, then then we certainly will make acquisitions. We we have a uh, an acquisition fund uh, that still has about uh, six million dollars uh, available. So, you know, based on the way that we make uh, acquisitions with a combination of cash and script, uh, we we can make around twenty five million dollars uh, worth of acquisitions um, before we would get close to um, to our our current uh, banking covenants. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Well, that's, that's a reasonable kitty. Would you be looking at uh, vet practices or, or, or not necessarily? Yeah, no, predominantly we're looking at, uh, at good veterinary practices. So, you know, ones that we, that we believe that we can grow. So as I said uh, early, earlier, we, we don't really see ourselves as a consolidator. We see ourselves as, as really bringing uh, very good businesses into the business that we can continue to, uh, to grow over the next few years. They might, they're most likely to be, you know, um, veterinary practices, larger veterinary practices, and and that do have some comp- companion animal component to them. Yeah, okay. And this is in the context of the sector being very fragmented, isn't it? I mean, there aren't uh, there aren't many really big players. Uh, if if you, you you might well be the biggest player out there. Yeah, certainly in the uh, in the regional and rural area, we're we're definitely the biggest player. So, um, but at the same time, um, you know, we, we don't see ourselves as a collector of veterinary clinics. Um, we want to be a business that continues to grow um, through, you know, organically as well as through acquisition. Mm, okay, great. All right. Well, it sounds like uh, uh, conditions are improving uh, out on the land and that's, uh, and, and that's being reflected in your uh, own performance. So, um, great, great to talk and uh, keep uh, tending those creatures uh, great and small. No worries. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Chris. Great to talk. <laughs>